0: The strongest thing a coach can have is a high level of emotional intelligence, so the ability to connect with people and see what they need and where they're currently at, whether it be like where they're currently at in life or where they're currently at in their progression through a movement or anything along those lines. The ability to feel and sense the subtlety of human emotion, I think, is hands down the most important quality a coach can have.
1: This is episode number 68 with Pat and Taz Barker. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. In this episode, I was lucky enough to be invited to the home of Pat and Taz Barber. They are a true CrossFit power couple who have made a name for themselves not only as CrossFit Games athletes, but also as incredibly talented coaches. We sat down to talk about their history, their newest venture, warm-up and workout, what drives them to do what they do, and some of the biggest lessons they've learned along the way, many of those having to do with being parents. A little bit of background about Pat and Taz. Pat Barber first found CrossFit while he was playing competitive high school volleyball and he is one of the few fortunate enough to train under coach Greg Glassman at the original CrossFit gym. He began working for CrossFit as a video editor in those early days and later as a trainer on the CrossFit seminar staff. Taz Barber also became a trainer on the CrossFit seminar staff after she had earned her bachelor's in sports science and in psychology at the University of Auckland, and she opened the first ever CrossFit affiliate in New Zealand. Together, this power couple has earned more than 10 CrossFit Games appearances, both as individuals and as members of various teams. They each have served as the head of coaching development at NC Fit prior to turning their full attention to running warm-up and workout together and raising their two young boys. A few quick reminders before we get started with this episode. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. To check out my online training programs through Beyond the Whiteboard, visit trainwithjuliefouché.com. Finally, please remember that although I'm now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals, and it does not provide medical advice. So, let's get started here with episode number 68 of Pursuing Health, featuring Pat and Taz Barber. Welcome, everyone, to Pursuing Health. I am here with Pat and Taz Barber. Thank you for having me at your home, and I'm super excited to talk with you, Yeah, Thank Thank you you for having us on the podcast. Awesome. Well, you both have been around since the very, very early days of CrossFit. So maybe we could start there and just talking about your background, your history with sports, what you did growing up, and then how you found, each of you found CrossFit. You start.
2: Um, my background is swimming, surf life saving, like anything with the water really. Mm-hmm. And then I play like, I did every sport, hockey, squash, team sports, individual sports, um, Everything. And you grew up in New Zealand. So I was born in South Africa. Okay. And we moved to New Zealand when I was about 12. Okay. Yeah. So I think what drew me to CrossFit originally was just the fact that you could do a lot of everything Mm -hmm. because that's what I'm used to doing is Mm -hmm. just playing a lot of sports at one time, which is just was fun for me. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time I was running a youth conditioning strength program, strength conditioning program sort of midway through my sport and exercise science degree. And we were training young swimmers to just on their dry land training. Mm-hmm. And we kind of stumbled across CrossFit. At the same time, I was also looking for something different for my kayaking strength training. Okay. I was doing some sprint kayaking at the time. Wow. Another different sport. And I just wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting strong enough mm-hmm. for the, it's a very powerful driven sport. Mm-hmm. And again, we came across CrossFit, and we decided to to do a workout. And we did one workout. And being sports scientists at the time, mm-hmm. we kind of thought it was pretty silly because there was no like periodization, and it was just you know it didn't it fit our criteria random, right. yeah, for <laughs> what we thought was you know something we should be doing. Uh-huh. And then we sort of put it aside, and we we kept coming back to it. Like, and after about three or four months, we came back to it, and just after that we were hooked we had the kids doing it we were doing it wow. um, my business partner and I started the first affiliate in New Zealand I think it was like only three months later wow uh, we went to Australia and went to CrossFit Effects in Sydney and just kind of had a look at what they were doing met the guys there mm-hmm. and came home and yeah the the rest is history we just wow yeah. and you were in the middle of your getting your degree at that time I had finished it by you the time it, we okay. yeah by the time we'd sort of Kicked off properly. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Do you remember what any of your first workouts were? I remember the first workout involved wall balls, burpees. I think uh, that might have been it. And we had, I think we had those like really small medicine balls. Mm-hmm. They were almost like D balls, mm-hmm. and we had no way to throw them to, so we just kind of like made Threw up them the up target. in the air. <laughs> yeah. and i remember wanting to throw up Uh because at the time i was you know i was an athlete and i thought i could push myself and right but you know i had no idea about something different the stimulus i was about to sort of put myself (laughs) under and then you were hooked (laughs) yeah for sure wow awesome and what about you pat
0: uh what about me i uh just uh, to tail on a Taz's, uh, she she always, like, underplays her athleticism. <laughs> it's, it cracks me up. So like,
2: have, no, 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 wait. Story. Before you keep going on that, <laughs> like, I know what you're going to say. And I wasn't, like, w- anywhere near the level that you think I was at. So, she's
0: talking about kayaking. She just dropped... Oh, yeah, by the way, no, I also no, no, I just was doing that on the side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. was, like... Yeah, she was just doing that on the okay. side in sprint so kayaking, she- in, like, Olympic trial-ish sort no, of stuff.
2: There's, like... At the time, there were probably like five women who did spring kayaking in New Zealand. There's no like, like, and, I, and, was probably, was and well, I was probably she was and I was probably like, the like the fifth. In New Zealand. No, 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 no. I was <laughs> for sure not. Like I was probably like the fifth out of the five. <laughs> like my boyfriend at the time was, you know, Olympic sprint kayaker, so I kind of got into it through him and I was just on the tail end of his like little thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, her and she her was partner
0: <laughs> yes, were very good at sprint kayaking and He's beat f- people who ended up doing Olympic stuff and Wow. anyway, she's really good and she downplays her own ability. But uh my That's what
1: husbands are far right right i mean she has yes. to <laughs>
0: i guess she has to downplay sorry uh myself i got yeah i played sport all through growing up i started um i from a very young age loved playing ball sports like mm-hmm. s- baseball and i think i skate. i was on a skateboard when i was like two so i did skateboarding from really young uh played soccer played everything i could Possibly play. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in high school, I ended up getting into volleyball, and I just really enjoyed that as a sport. And then that led me to play volleyball collegiately, and that was kind of where I devoted most of my time. Mm -hmm. But my last year of high school was the year that Tony Budding, the original media director for CrossFit, Mm -hmm. he wanted to learn how to teach the clean and jerk to the volleyball players. So he Googled. Uh Uh, clean and jerk Santa okay. Cruz and what popped up at the time was because this is in a time where Olympic lifting didn't exist right. outside of oh, the, the Olympics very, yeah, yeah. the Olympics. <laughs> you know it's like you couldn't find it when you did it, and it was yeah. like power cleans is all you could find for collegiate athletes and uh, he ended up finding cross at Santa Cruz and, and so he, was he
1: coaching your volleyball team then or? so he
0: was actually a, um, an English teacher at oh, my high okay. school uh, it's a very small high school mm-hmm. Nicole Carroll actually taught there as well she was wow. a pottery teacher um, uh, and so Tony Googled, you know, clean and jerk CrossFit or clean and jerk Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And he found CrossFit Santa Cruz. He went in there and he found a trainer named Jason Highbarger, who's still okay. one of the original guys. He's still around in uh, the community. Wow. And he was like, I just want to learn how to do the clean and jerk. I don't want to do all this other, <laughs> this other <laughs> fitness stuff, just the clean and <laughs> jerk. So he's like, fine, fine. We do a bunch of other stuff, but here I'll teach you the clean and jerk. And Tony was kind of like watching the other stuff that yeah. was going on at the original gym. And I, I guess he kind of saw what it was and was like, this is pretty rad stuff. Wow! So he ended up bringing it up to the community and started training the, the high school students there. Um, and that was like the tail end of, I had just graduated. So it was like through the summer of my graduation. Um, and then from there I ended up going down to college. I was only down in LA for a year. Mm -hmm. Didn't like it. Moved back up here, backed, moved (laughs) back up here and, uh, to Santa Cruz and was working room service at a local restaurant and just training CrossFit Mm -hmm. uh, on the side. I would come in and take Coney's classes.
1: So this whole time you were doing it while you were away at college or?
0: Yeah, I was doing it a little bit like here and there. It was, you know, when you go to a strength and conditioning program Mm -hmm. at a, it was a D one volleyball team down at Cal state Northridge. Mm-hmm. They had their own strength and conditioning program. And they actually told me like, Hey, we don't have rings here. And if you yeah. bring your own rings in, please don't use them. You'll hurt yourself. And
3: Yeah. So we, yeah.
0: I just did what they told me to do. Yeah. Um, cause I wasn't fully invested in mm-hmm. uh, the methodologies just yet. I just, that was the only workout I'd ever done.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then when I moved back up here, I started working at a restaurant and then occasionally I'd go in and train okay. uh, at the local CrossFit, which was CrossFit Santa mm-hmm. Cruz, you know, where Greg and, Lauren Glassman were and wow
1: and uh, this is what what year was this
0: this was like 2005 six seven okay. so five six seven it was like off and on I'd go in and I'd train for like yeah. two weeks and because it was it was I paid a drop-in fee so I paid five bucks to drop yeah. in because if I if I got to go to Tony's class he would only charge me five bucks <laughs> um so I would go to his classes and Danielle and Hollis Malloy's classes because okay. they kind of started taking over yeah. for him meanwhile CrossFit was slowly growing um and more affiliates were coming on board and one year in 2000, like late 2006 or early 2007, I ended up quitting my job at the restaurant and I was driving by CrossFit that day and I was like, <sighs> I'm going to go in and check, this, check it out again, see if yeah. Tony's there. He was there. I told him I just quit my job and he was like, hey, do you know how to edit video? And I was like, nah, I don't, but I can learn. <laughs> so he sat me in front of a computer, taught me how to edit video and uh, then I started flying around to seminars wow. and once I started working to for the company filming video, mm-hmm. uh, I Started doing it full time, and yeah. that was my full introduction into actually wow. the training side of it.
1: Great lesson in saying yes to an opportunity, <laughs> even <laughs> if you don't know <laughs> if you could do it.
0: That is a I would say if if I've done anything well in my past number of years, it's saying yes to opportunities. Whether yeah. it be you should move to New Zealand, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, sure, why not?
1: You know, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, might
0: as well. Don't see uh, why not. You should move back out to the states and yeah. open up a facility for us. Yeah, sure, why not? Like
1: that's so amazing. I would say
0: that's my my skill at this point yeah. in time is saying yes to opportunities that I've
1: been <laughs> presented. And when when did you start? What was the time frame of
2: it was about two thousand seven.
1: Okay, so around the same time basically. Yeah. Okay. And then we opened up our affiliate in two thousand eight. Okay. So early. Yeah. Really early. And then how did you guys both end up getting into competition then? Because you ultimately ended up meeting at the CrossFit Games, right?
2: Um it was just a natural thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like once I started just doing the workouts, <laughs> whoever I was working out with, I wanted to compete against. Mm-hmm. Um, that's changed a lot now. But yeah, back then, I I didn't know that there was a competition actually in it. I just, the natural competitiveness of it got mm-hmm. me. And then my business partner sort of introduced me. I was like, did you know you can actually compete? And then that was when they brought the regionals to Australia that oh, year. okay. And so I was like, oh, totally, I'm Let's going. Let's go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I can't even really remember exactly like the lead up to that regionals. I think I just trained like mm-hmm. normal, just did normal workouts, just yeah. CrossFits, you know, every day. Um, and then the regionals was, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Like it was, actually even thinking about now, like the, the workouts back then, they was such great, because, you know, everyone could just, do the their own workouts. Right. In their every own region, region was different. Yeah. yeah, it suited me perfectly. I mean, the last workout was this uphill sand hill run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having run on sand my whole life, it was <laughs> perfect. And yeah, that that's it. Was just kind of went from there really. And then how we met was, I had a friend who was living in Santa Cruz. She was in New Zealand and she'd come and trained at our gym mm-hmm. a few times. She was like, I have a house you can stay in if you want to train before the games oh. And I was like, Oh, that's perfect And I um and then my business partner was like, Oh, um, you know Pat Barber and I didn't actually know who Pat was. Apparently he was like this celebrity celebrity <laughs> and I was like, Oh, so I like googled him and I saw these videos and I was like oh okay well yeah I'll drop them a line so on. but then in the interim he'd actually Facebooked me
1: ah. and had seen
2: me because he was doing video at the time and had okay. seen me on this like New Zealand um, video thing that they did on me for mm. the the games and he was like oh can I use this video it's really great for yeah. CrossFit and I was like sure oh by the way I'm going to be in Santa Cruz can I come and train at your gym and he was like yeah totally and yeah we <laughs> just hit it off yeah, it, I just got dropped off at CrossFit Santa Cruz the first day I was there. I met Pat, Falcor, John G., his dad. I don't know how, how they were all there at the same time, but they were. Just meet we the whole family Falco, right Falcor's, right the, the, dog, Falcor's the, way, the dog, <laughs> by the way. Falcor's oh, the dog. Okay, if you're what which that name was still it's here?
0: Not one of our other family members. <laughs> <coughs> uh, it's
2: amazing. And then, yeah, we trained together every day. At, well, I say trained. We, we started training. put and a lot of badminton. And then we ended up just playing games. <laughs> we ended up playing golf and badminton. Like I think we would do like maybe one CrossFit workout a day, uh-huh. and then we'd go play games. Yep. Like there was no like resting or <laughs> yeah. yeah. How long were you here for before the games? I think it was like two two but
0: to three weeks. Yeah, oh, it was wow. solid yeah. Two weeks. yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah. Those were great times. I, uh, <laughs> I, th- I think the original. And we
2: enjoyed. Those times more than we did the actual games because those <laughs> games were horrendous.
0: That was a horrible game. That was the that games was that everyone got surprised yeah. with volume. Yeah. It was like no one. But there had was ever like seven
2: workouts or something on yeah. Saturday. It was, yeah, it was. It was no the, one was prepared for that.
0: The survival games. Well, That's, that, that was yeah. the year where it's like no one was ready for volume, yeah. and they were like, "Here, Here you go." And everyone was like, "But, uh, but I mean, I was. I think both of our heads were so in in such different places because." So I think the original question was like, how'd you get into competition? Mm-hmm. Mine was just, I was around. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I ever started training was for competition. Mm-hmm. Like I, I only like, I never did fitness. Mm-hmm. I never went to the gym. I never liked training. Right. I still don't like training. <laughs> I, I just love competition. And I love the idea of it's like me versus you. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I need to win. It's the act of competing for yeah. years. I thought it was like, I needed to win, but I don't need to win. I never win. Like if I think about <laughs> most of the stuff I've done, it's like, I've been good, but I don't win. And, uh, so I just enjoy the act of like that game mm-hmm. that like playing the game of competition. So CrossFit was every single day. That's what it was. It was yep. like, you go in and you just compete throw down, every day, yeah. and compete every day. And it was, it was like, I mean, and you know, back before I had any morals and I was a kid, it was like. And I'm going to cheat on some of these, you know, like, <laughs> and I can definitely remember times where I'm like, how many rounds of cindy do you get? Ah, easily 30, like 30 rounds of cindy, you know, totally times where it was like I I'm doing Barbara and you're like, eh, I'm going to do half the number of pushups this round and things like that. Because back then there was no, for me as a 18 year old kid, there was no sense of like what this all meant and what, right. what the larger picture was. Um, so I got into competition cause that's why I got across it was. And then once they made it official, like, Hey, here's a competition. Mm-hmm. It was like, Okay, oh, I'll do like that. I, I, yeah. I guess I'll do that too. And uh, turned out that in that setting, uh, you know, I did well. And that was 2008. Uh, I kind of competed well that year. Gave me a bit free bid in 2009, mm-hmm. which kind of leads us into the story of how Taz and I met. Mm-hmm. And it was actually pretty interesting because that that video that they posted of Taz was the first piece of positive media on CrossFit. So that mm-hmm. was the fascinating part about it. Is like I was working in the CrossFit media department, and that time the only media department was me and Tony. Like oh, that okay. was two. It was a two-person <laughs> media department. If you've been there now, it's like it's a whole, house, whole office. Yeah, at Tony's house. Yeah, uh, in like one of his spare rooms, and uh, and that piece of media that came out was the national or like the New Zealand's national station oh,
3: wow. did this
0: piece on her about winning the Australia regional, mm-hmm. and it was. All positive, you know. Like they had no idea what CrossFit was, but it wasn't like, "Hey, look at this stupid program that hurts people." Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, "This is look that look that at our cool yeah. New Zealand girl who yeah. won this Australian thing in this thing called CrossFit." So I, I thought it was a, an amazing piece. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when I first saw Taz and like saw her whole story, it wasn't. It wasn't like I was like, "Oh, that girl, I'm gonna marry her." You know? Yeah, like, <laughs> I was. Uh, I was in a relationship at the time, and I'd been in a relationship for three and a half years, and.
3: Mm. Uh,
0: in CrossFit, not, not to pat ourselves on the back, but it's like, there's a lot of incredibly beautiful, capable women. Mm-hmm. And like, that was not unique to me. It wasn't like I was seeing her for the first time being like, Oh, there's a really strong, smart, intelligent, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, and that's unique because that wasn't unique to me. I, I've met so many people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I first met her, she was, she, it wasn't like that like instant it wasn't like the instant like oh i'm physically attracted to you so i need to like spend my time with you and, mm-hmm. and that what what was amazing to me was who she was mm-hmm. because i uh up till that point in my life a lot of my relationships had been centered centered around physicality centered around sexuality or centered around mm-hmm. my relationship in that regard with with the mm-hmm. person when i met taz i was totally off the table because I was in a relationship yeah. and I you were just uh,
1: becoming friends. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was just like her chauffeur. Like, uh, like, you know, like <laughs> she, she didn't have a car. Like yeah. I had to drive her around and, uh-huh. and play had these to games enjoy. with her. You like, had to drive me around. <laughs> well, I didn't have to, but I had no other responsibilities. You yeah. know, like I was a, yeah. a part-time coach who had mm-hmm. a dog and who lived up at Tony's house. And like, and we just, <laughs> we just hung out for like for two weeks straight, just getting to know each other with that being totally not part of the equation. Mm-hmm. And it showed me what, a relationship with a woman could be like like it, with without it being centered around that mm-hmm. and it was fantastic and it just really opened my eyes to something totally different mm-hmm. and then I fell you know madly head over heels in love like with her Aww. um and you know that all that stuff was off the table though you know so it was after that 2009 game she went home and uh then she was like Uh, me and my girlfriend at the time broke up Mm -hmm. and she called me up and she's like I'm gonna come visit you and I was like ah it totally won't work you know like (laughs) she'll she'll come out and and, and, you know we'll have some fun and then she'll go back home but she lives in New Zealand so far away
4: what am I gonna do yeah
0: and like lo and behold I ended up quitting my job where I needed to be somewhere for it Uh and I got a job working for again faster which was remote because they live on the east coast okay and I was over on the west coast so I was already working remotely Mm -hmm. and she was like you should move out to New Zealand and she came out and she visited me and then we, we hit it off. And I mean, the, for the first couple of days, I was acting a little weird mm-hmm. because I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just a fling. It'll just yeah. be its thing. And she just called me out, like right on my BS. She, <laughs> like,
1: what are you doing? She's like, <laughs> she literally said, it. she's like,
0: what are you doing? And I,
1: and I, and I, and I, I was like, this. And I was like,
0: uh, and, I was, <laughs> and so she fully called me on my BS and she's like, you know what? You and I are just going to try this. So who cares? Yeah. Like if, if we live thousands and thousands, like across yeah. the world from each other, like let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that was like right when Skype was starting to come into play. And, and so we, we, it worked out perfectly to where I got a job where I could work remotely. Mm-hmm. We started to build a relationship on Skype. She came over a couple times and then I, I flew out there and, and spent some time out there and, mm-hmm. It's just been the best life ever since uh, uh-huh. for me. I mean, I don't know, know
1: what. Like, You're living the dream. I'm living the dream. I don't.
0: I don't know what her whole deal is. I mean, she got some cute kids out of it, but other than that, it's like, I, I don't know what the allure is.
1: Uh, that's so awesome. So you moved to New Zealand, and then, what was your time like there, and how long were you there for?
2: I, a year
0: I, I was there for a year yeah. but it was okay. on and off for like two years so okay. like i would be there for like a couple yeah, months back forth for yeah. a whole year okay and, and then, then we stayed there, there mm-hmm. solidly for about a year um and then we realized that we needed to uh do something apart from her current business partner mm. because we had a uh, we were just it was too many personalities in one space okay and we kind of had our way of wanting to control things and mm-hmm. he w- had his way and once again he's a great dude he's just different you mm-hmm. know and and uh so we got the opportunity to come out to back to california and be closer to crossfit headquarters which mm-hmm. i thought would be helpful for me in my uh, crossfitting career as mm-hmm. well as taz was on staff mm-hmm. um, and then jason Kalipa was opening up he I, I had asked him like hey if we moved out here mm-hmm. would you want to open up another facility and he's mm-hmm. like in a heartbeat so that whole thing worked out to where we could open up a massive facility for him, mm-hmm. have a steady job through that, and just like see what kind of a crossfitting career we could take. Wow! So, yeah,
2: and then we go pregnant. <laughs> and, then,
0: and then in one year, we moved countries, started a new business, got, married. Got, got married, married, got pregnant. And I think we competed in the games the next year. It was. I think it was two years. The later? year after. Year after. after, after Oaks. Oaks. Just yeah. do it all at once. Yeah. We were just right? like, and then we bought a house like really uh, quick after yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was.
1: So really, like anything else that happens, is not a big deal. No, right. at
0: this point in time, not much. Like, we Yeah. She when when I met her, I I I think it was within three years of being with her that I had completed all my life goals.
2: Oh, so you're good. So he's done. <laughs> like, so I'm done that's at this point in time. I need <laughs> to set hair, new life goals. Like growing like, his hair, He has to do these like weird goals. Like, I need to grow my hair for a year. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I got to quit drinking for a year. <laughs> yeah, I
0: quit drinking for a year just for fun. Oh, like, why that's not? It's a
1: good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So how, how about your life goals, Tez?
2: <laughs> yeah, do you have any? I do you have any? I don't. I think I like. I have them mentally stored in my yeah. head. I Just I haven't, haven't written like them down. Not on like a little piece of scrap like you had. Organized. Them. Like Pat literally had these goals oh written really? down on yeah. like a piece in his wow. like. What I thought was his 10-year-old handwriting, but it turns out it's just his <laughs> handwriting.
0: Man, I love you too. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think hang on to those. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll just pretend it was me from 10. That's what it was.
2: <laughs> but it was really, it was really nice. Just, it was really sweet. It was really Aww. cool to see. Um, I Yeah, I, don't, I really like traveling. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of set ourselves up now if we really wanted to we Mm -hmm. could travel Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that might be our next goal like our life goal is to just see what we can do you know with the boys Mm -hmm. while they're still really young they're not going to any school Mm -hmm. Um, while we are we can work remotely and Mm -hmm. see if that works and and try and do a little bit of traveling around whether it's here in America or overseas Um, so yeah I think it's a good place to be yeah life goals that would be my life next life goal would be to To try and do some traveling around.
0: Yeah. That's a good one. The Dodge or this Mercedes Sprinter will help with that.
2: (laughs) Yes. Working on that.
1: (laughs) Oh, very cool. Well, how about all of your experience from the gym in New Zealand and then here with um, NorCal CrossFit? Can you just talk about what your experience was in all those um, sort of roles what kinds of things you did? and What are some of the big things that you learned and took away from those experiences?
2: Do you want to start? Let me
1: go.
0: I mean, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the I have an interesting perspective on it because my responsibilities have been so. I want to say with New Zealand I didn't have any responsibilities that was her facility mm-hmm. so she had created this space and I kind of stepped into a space mm-hmm. and I got to see what it was like to step into a functioning space that mm-hmm. had systems and had had a lot of uh, really positive things for it just mm-hmm. kind of be an idiot and like that that was that was kind of what I'd always done you know and <laughs> and in addition to that I I grew through the business world as a as as a kid you know mm-hmm. like I, I I started in it not understanding how my actions impacted other people Mm -hmm. and then over and just kind of always being me. And then over the years, I guess in the past, like three or four have really come to reflect on those and, and see how I, many mistakes I really made, Mm -hmm. but I was in such like secure spaces that I was able to make those mistakes
3: and learn from them them now,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so with New Zealand, I didn't have much of a business role. It was more just like see how my personality can play out in a situation that already exists mm-hmm. uh, well, mm-hmm. and I think it worked out well. Like I made a bunch of really good friends there, and mm-hmm. I learned a lot of, uh, about myself and a lot about kind of how businesses can run efficiently and, and mm-hmm. what can really drive a community. And then when we moved to uh, uh, NorCal, mm-hmm. uh, it was basically... S- coming into a very chaotic system. Jason didn't have any systems set up. He like, he didn't know when, who was getting paid. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was just like, if there was money in his account, he was good. If there wasn't, he was, <laughs> he was not good. It was like, it was utter chaos. And, and he had no systems for coaching development or cleaning the gym or anything along those lines. And th- part of the, the deal for coming over was like, Hey, we got to do things our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're going to sign on with you and Taz had amazing backend skills. So I got to see what it was like to have, someone like Taz control a system and kind of like build it Built from that, the start. Yeah. Um, it, while having the kind of like, it was a, a perfect little trifecta cause it was like Jason could front run mm-hmm. and like get business. He could, you know, he could, he could drive attention mm-hmm. towards something and then Taz could create systems that would make it so it actually ran, mm-hmm. you know? Um, what
1: are some of those systems that you think are most important for affiliates to have in place?
0: I think just a basic understanding of people's roles and responsibilities, just setting out for everyone knowing like, Hey, you know, as a head coach, you're responsible for making sure every time you start a class, the gym is clean. Every time mm-hmm. you finish a class, the gym is clean. You know, this is what clean means, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, you're responsible for this number of hours and this is your, your title mm-hmm. um, or even just like little bits of clarity here and there. I, and email systems that are like, hey, when a, when a new member comes in and they, they talk to you, mm-hmm. like, here's the first email that gets sent to them after they have their first on-ramp. Here's the one that gets sent after the second on-ramp. Mm-hmm. If they haven't come for three days, here's the email that gets sent over to them then. And mm-hmm. somebody who's paying attention to all this, I think those are the systems that are really, really important. So A, setting up roles and making mm-hmm. sure they're very clear for people um, and what's expected. Mm-hmm. And then B, making sure you've got good email systems that, M- that stay in plenty contact with mm-hmm. your members. Those are the ones that she set up well that...
1: Yeah. And what were... Like from your experience doing it first in New Zealand where you're really starting from the ground up and then going into a place that's already running and it, that's pretty large and trying to set up those systems, what were some of the differences or the challenges there?
2: Um, yeah, ju- I think just like what Pat said, like we wanted to do it our way. And I think also, again, taking from what he said, like you we both had to, like, grow Mm -hmm. with it a little bit because Mm -hmm. I was so used to having my way and doing it my way. And when you go into someone else's business, like, as much as they say, yeah, you can totally do it your way. Like, you can't 100% do it your way. And I think learning from what we did in New Zealand, like, the most important thing that I learned is that the relationships that you have with your coaches and your athletes and, you know, whoever's working within the business are the most important relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we kind of took with us to NorCal Mm -hmm. was fostering these relationships with the coaches, the new coaches that came on board, like creating these internship systems with them. That to me was the most important thing that we did. Like Mm -hmm. aside from like setting up systems to help Jason's business run better because, you know, that I think anyone can do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, those are just, those are simple systems. Like they're all automatic. Mm -hmm. They can be done. You still have someone like, you need people to care about it, Mm -hmm. like Pat said. But I think what we took from New Zealand was we just started these these internship programs and like really fostered these new coaches and spent so much time with them. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what we brought to NorCal and all the the newer coaches and the the coaches that evolved around that were, you know, I, I think we uh, you know helped a, helped a bunch with not just our facility but the the mm-hmm. rest of the NorCal kind of tribe. Right. Um so I think yeah.
0: We came into a system that was like he had a thriving gym but we started a new gym. Mm-hmm. So it came from So you were
1: nothing. still starting one new Yeah. facility, yeah. one new community, one new set of coaches. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then you also at some point were coordinating the development of the coaches across a number of different gyms. Yeah. And that was sort of your main focus, correct?
2: Yeah, and that kind of just evolved really. Yeah. From when I had Oaks um, my role changed from I did less coaching. I was doing a lot of coaching development and coaching and then when I was when I had Oaks, I was more remote. Mm-hmm. So I sort of stepped aside and did more of the admin stuff again and like managerial bits and mm-hmm. pieces and then kind of came back to the coaching development side and then Pat and I kind of started heading up because at that point, I think there were like already 40 coaches just yeah. in the Bay Area <coughs> alone. Yeah. Um, so that was when we kind of really started putting more effort into that and Mm -hmm. we were really lucky that and and you know lucky from the sense that we had the opportunity to put all our energy just into that that. i don't know yeah any gyms that really have the ability to have two full-time staff members just working on coaching development Mm -hmm. um, and not having to then coach 20 hours on top of that yeah um so i think that was that was really really great That's amazing yeah it was it was
0: it was really cool because i mean it was kind of when you look at what a, a facility has to offer, their their thing that's unique is their coaching mm-hmm. and the community, and the community is created by the coaches. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that if you get a large enough organization to really find a couple people who are good at developing community and coaches, mm-hmm. to put their efforts put and put effort. yeah mm-hmm. put the and, and put your money in that place because mm-hmm. that's going to pay dividends on everything else that you do. Um, and I think that we had that unique opportunity at norcal to mm-hmm. start doing that coaching development and it was interesting because we tried a lot of stuff that just didn't work you know it was like what was really natural was to have somebody watch us mm-hmm. and have somebody work with us and us watch them mm-hmm. and then eventually they kind of pick it up through osmosis and we slowly give them information mm-hmm. and see what happens and run little classes and mm-hmm. and just kind of let it happen organically and people who continue to thrive there will then get brought on staff Whereas I think what we try to do initially is like when we brought them on board, we're like, okay, you know, what's, what's this foundation? And well, the foundation's knowledge and you need to have some education. Basically, you need to have some yep. knowledge mm-hmm. in order for you to go out there and try to make change or mm-hmm. try to, try to, you know, see stuff that's happening. And so we're like, okay, we'll build this huge knowledge system. So we spent like six, seven months building this back end system. That's like a series of videos and articles and mm-hmm. tests and, you know, Homework and back and forth with like you send me a video we evaluate your video we mm-hmm. send it back and we built this huge back end system mm-hmm. and then we just did, had really poor delivery in like what it was and we didn't get support from the people who needed to support it mm-hmm. uh, which were and that was that was our fault it was like we didn't we didn't yeah. we didn't Give it to the people the way we should have. Okay. I think in some communities it would have worked perfect, but Mm -hmm. we tried it out and it was just we got all this feedback from the coaches like why do we have to do all this stuff? Mm -hmm. You know, like why do we have to take all these tests? Why do we have to do this? And it's like that should never be the case. Right. They should want
1: to. They should should want to. Fun. Yeah.
0: But but we didn't make it fun. You know, we didn't we didn't phrase it to them in a way that it could have been fun. Mm -hmm. And we didn't. It wasn't support. We didn't find the right people who could have briefed it to their coaches and said, hey, I really want you to do this because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. We were just like, hey, you should probably do this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge learning moment for me. I was like, we screwed up.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
0: we screwed up. We, we put this out there and we have a great product here, mm-hmm. but we didn't deliver this in a way that was mm-hmm. digestible. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was our mistake. Not, not necessarily the product, not mm-hmm. necessarily a thought process behind, Hey, build a knowledge base first and then we can develop right. the other stuff. But in how we,
1: the communication, the communication yeah.
0: and the getting the buy-in mm-hmm. in the right way rather than forcing it down their throats. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we tried that and that, that didn't work so well. And then what we tried is like Taz would do backend like emails back and forth with people. And then I would be kind of in gym working mm-hmm. with people one at a time. So I'd watch their class, audit their class, let them know what they could do better, mm-hmm. move on. Um, and then Taz ended up slowly not working with the company. When she stopped working with the company, it kind of all fell on my shoulders and I was like, Okay
1: well I'm like I I, I
0: can't really do this like that's not possible first off what she was doing was exactly the stuff I'm bad at so I don't know how you're expecting me to take that on board and seeing 60 coaches in the Bay Area alone you know so what we did is uh, we ended up creating and I think this was the best methodology in all honesty what we had was in each facility we had a coaching director Mm -hmm. and the coaching director was responsible for the on-floor product so we had five or six facilities in the Bay area. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the coaching director was responsible for their facility and okay. the product was the coaching, right? So they got a really strong pulse on the community. Mm-hmm. They're in their coaching doing all that stuff, but their other responsibility is making sure that the coaches mm-hmm. are all on board. The, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're continuing to be progressed through knowledge gains mm-hmm. and their classes are looking good and all that fun stuff.
1: So almost like if you had an independent CrossFit affiliate, it would be like the owner or the Exactly. Maybe if the yeah. owner isn't coaching all the classes, but they're there like right. keeping a exactly. tabs on things.
0: Exactly. The, the person who's got, or the head coach, this person right. who's, the who's got the coach, most influence. Yeah. But then we, in each facility, we also had an operator and the operator is responsible for the back end stuff. Got so they were it. responsible for like managing sales and they were responsible for managing, uh, like ordering toilet paper and mm-hmm. like anything that was facility organized, it would mm-hmm. be through them. And then there was, there was crossover in certain areas, but the main responsibility of the coaching directors was the pro- on-floor product. Mm-hmm. And then my job uh, was the head coaching director or the mm-hmm. chief of coaching directing or whatever... <laughs> Was to manage all the coaching directors and make sure that they knew what they were giving to their people. They Got knew it. the systems we were trying to put in place, and that was the most effective th- system I thought. Mm-hmm. Because what I could do is I could have a much larger impact because mm-hmm. it wasn't like let me spread my time across sixty coaches. Right,
1: you can't possibly know all those communities that well. It's impossible. Yeah,
0: and I. But but if you're having a trouble time, I can go here with this mm-hmm. person and sit with them and do their stuff, and mm-hmm. then I can sit and develop more processes for making coaches better mm-hmm. or better knowledge systems or. You know, different uh, just directions we want to take mm-hmm. our entire organization mm-hmm. and it, it, it frees up a lot of mental space for allowing that kind of stuff to happen. So that was the, mm-hmm. I think that was the best methodology we had for it and we were heading down different routes, but yeah.
1: yeah. What was, what was, or what are some of the qualities you think that like raw product qualities, like before they've even put much time or effort into becoming a good coach, but what are some of the qualities you think that are important in someone who has the potential to become a really good coach.
0: You want me to,
2: yeah, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I
0: I really, I really do think that the strongest thing a coach can have is a high level of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. So the ability to connect with people and see what they need and where Mm -hmm. they're currently at, whether it be like, where they're currently at in life or where they're currently at in their progression through a movement Mm -hmm. or anything along those lines, the ability to feel and sense the subtlety of human emotion, I think is hands down the most important quality a coach can have. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that'll allow them to, you know, even not knowing how to coach someone, how to move, it'll teach them. It'll allow them to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And you and I were talking about this, you know, like kind of the the decree for a facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were talking in the car and she said that, when she was coaching, as a 13-year-old, she was coaching skiers. And their motto for coaching little skiers mm-hmm. was safety, fun, and then technique. And it was like that was, that was <laughs> yeah. how she visualized coaching cool. little yeah. kids skiers. It's yeah. like first they have to be safe. Like right. that's, that's who you got to focus yeah. on. Then you got to make sure they're having fun because then having the kid's not going to want to learn. Lastly, are they getting better at skiing, yeah. you yeah. know? And I think if you view... A facility a very similar way like Mm -hmm. you view going into an affiliate it's like is everyone safe Mm -hmm. (laughs) check Check. you know (laughs) like (laughs) that that's a (laughs) no-brainer that has to happen as otherwise we're not doing this and then b is Is everyone having fun yeah like because that if you if you can't connect with people and make sure they're having fun then your facility is going (laughs) to die right and then and then can you coach the technique so i think that the the safety and the fun really do it does come down to emotional intelligence that ability to feel where someone's at like hey are these is this person pushing a little too hard mm-hmm. for for their day for their you yeah. know are they sad today are they like whatever it is and, and that desire to want to connect with people mm-hmm. i think that's mm-hmm. that's the trait if you can have that in a coach mm-hmm. you can build everything else
1: that's great i haven't heard that one before but it's so true yeah. so true mm-hmm. so you guys have worked together a lot yeah.
2: <laughs> and then yeah. you
1: also have competed on teams together yeah. several yeah. times surprisingly
2: we we work really well super well together like, <laughs> we're so the same personality well, I mean there's subtle differences but uh-huh. we are both pretty stubborn mm-hmm. and we're both competitive mm-hmm. but I think Pat and I like in our relationship it's you know evolved a lot mm-hmm. and I think To be honest, Pat has actually, even though he's four years my junior. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there came a time where we would like just have these, as you know, couples do, but had these arguments over Mm -hmm. these minor details. Mm -hmm. And even even after Oaks was born, you know, and when you have a child and you're having silly arguments, it just... It makes life really difficult. Mm -hmm. And we would just headbutt and just not get anywhere. And then all of a sudden, Pat, I think something like clicked in his head. And he was like, well, one of us has to just start backing down. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who actually did it. (laughs) Wow. And without me even really knowing he was doing it, he was like purposefully doing it. And I think like ever since that kind of switch, we we don't have... We don't have arguments. We don't fight. We don't like do anything because if he backs down straight away, I'll back down. We'll be like, Oh, what was, what were about? we fighting about? Yeah.
0: But it was a combo because it was like, it took uh, something. Of, it was like a perfect storm event. So like, mm-hmm. I realized that she was the first person who was stubborn enough to get past my stubborn.
4: <laughs> so it was like,
0: I would get to the point where I was so exhausted yeah. that she would be like, she, she wasn't like, Oh, you know, let's, let's stay up and keep talking this out. She's like, f you i'm going to sleep you know like <laughs> and i'm like whoa oh, no 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 we're gonna we're no, gonna keep we're- talking this through and, <laughs> she, and she's like no we're not because i'm done <laughs> and then, so it, it was finally for me like if i wanted some sort of a resolution to yeah, what was happening
1: you had a compromise i had
0: to be like yeah. listen i'm sorry but the thing that was unique is like when it sh- when i said listen i'm sorry it was without fail Seconds before mm-hmm. she'd be like, you know what, I'm sorry too. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it would have been in reverse, if she would have backed down, yeah. and she would have said I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I would have been like, yeah, you, yeah. Should. you should be sorry. <laughs> yeah. but, like I didn't, I didn't have that trait. I don't have the trait of like, hey, you said you're sorry. Yeah. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna, mm. now I'm gonna be there with you. Mm-hmm. But it took that level of like us getting to that point and me being the one to break, and her having that second response of like, you know what, I'm really really sorry too. That's mm-hmm. that's made it so we can be in any heated argument like Mm -hmm. and and who was it there was a there was a uh, I forget what speaker guy it was it was like a Tony Robbins type guy but it was mm-hmm. like you're you're trying to have a race to see who can say you're sorry first mm. and it's like when you're in the heat of the moment it's who can say you're sorry first yeah. And like that's that's who can win you know like the winner is the person <laughs> who, who says no, that's what you right yeah. so it's back to competing so you're still winning really you're still winning but I, I was like that's a fascinating way to think about it because in the moment you're so pissed you right know?
2: you're so you're so angry but and I then, think yeah what it's done for both of us is like whenever we have like a disagreement or like one of us is upset with each other or you know like I think we both now will automatically rather than being like oh they've done this to me on purpose like Mm -hmm. why would they do this it's sort of like you flip and you be like what's happening in their life that you know like they couldn't deliver what I wanted them to or you know like rather than thinking like negatively towards you know your spouse Mm -hmm. I feel like we we try and like think of it from their point of view Mm -hmm. be like well there's a reason that they're doing this or they're feeling this way or they said that and I think just again, like it always comes back down to communication. Like, yeah. You know, I think our communication is just so much better. And because we have worked with each other for so long, mm-hmm. um, the working has
0: always been good.
2: Yeah. We've never had an issue working mm-hmm. together.
0: It w- that was always weird for me. Cause cause like or
2: competing, competing. Because how about, how about yeah. Competing together. No, we compete no really well together,
0: but we're both similar in our mindset of mm-hmm. how we compete. Mm-hmm. It's like when we show up to game day, we're, ready Good to go, to go. Like yeah. we'll, we'll take up slack if we can take up slack and if we need help we're gonna ask for help and mm-hmm. I think and that just comes out of communication and, and knowing that like hey I trust you mm-hmm. and you trust me and in this moment we both can be like yep yeah, mm-hmm. I can do this yeah. or I need help and then you're gonna take up slack or help
2: it's mainly me needing help <laughs> baloney <laughs> <Doing> <laughs> that is baloney
1: have you guys done any workouts where it was like just you two pair together
2: yeah yeah, like at regionals and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah, we we have. Yeah. We, we prefer to go on the like... Actually, I don't think I'd ever do a boy-girl thing with anyone else. It was always you and I. Yeah. Unless it like made sense for, for Based us on the to workout, yeah. yeah but yeah. we would usually go together. That's
1: fine. Do you have yeah. a favorite workout that you guys did together?
0: Goodness.
2: I have one that I remember badly. Which one? <laughs> <That> <laughs> the toes-to-bar one? <laughs> yeah, that The
0: toes-to-bar deadlift one that, that just got horrendous? Deadlift. Yeah.
4: I don't know I, have a, I, I don't, don't yeah. Have
0: they were yeah, they were all uh, The team workouts are always so interesting for me. Mm-hmm. My my whatever was weird in my energy systems just loves that team like, workouts. they yes. just love that work rest cuz I can work you really are well fast and then for rest. That. It's yeah. just it's just made for someone like me. So whenever I'm doing a team workout, mm-hmm. I'm always just resting. Cause like either I'm going really hard and then handing it off to somebody else Mm -hmm. or I'm pacing it with somebody else who's with me. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like just kind of right there with them. It's Mm -hmm. never like exceeding my capacity. So I, I don't know why, but I've loved team workouts. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's always just been trying to stay relaxed and just be like, Hey, where are you at? And I think that, I mean, that helps in, in a a team setting. If you have a high level of emotional intelligence and you can see where your teammates at, Mm -hmm. you're never going to push them too far. Or you're also going to know that like, Hey, you can go more right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important for team competitors to be not in relationships, but understand Mm -hmm. who their other teammates are. Mm -hmm. If you're not friends, if you're not, if you're not connected with them on an emotional level, when you get into the throes of it, it's like, it's going to be every man for themselves. And that's, yeah, that's setting yourself up for failure.
1: Yeah. Very true how about this realization of saying you're sorry or how you guys manage your um your arguments has that impacted any of your other relationships or the way you communicate with other people
2: for me for sure yeah i i learn a lot from pat because i see him doing it to me sometimes Mm because i'll you know like every now and then i'll behave Mm -hmm. irrationally and i can see him like dealing with it quite well i'm like oh wow he actually you know like (laughs) it was pretty impressive because i know his personality and he's quite you know like a very highly charged guy and um so i think for (laughs) me like i try and before reacting Mm -hmm. with him i'll try and like just calm down a little bit or even with other people that i want to react with um yeah so i think it for sure it has for me And I've heard you guys say too before that
1: your kids have taught you a lot about communication or put things in perspective that way. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it just, and I've said this before in other places, but it's just like kids for me held a giant mirror up to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just like this immediate reflection of who I was Mm -hmm. and very very literally i had to reflect upon everything that i was because i could see it pan out right in front of me mm-hmm. and and i think every parent owes it to themselves and it owes it to their kid really to reflect on the things about yourself that you don't necessarily find enjoyable and mm-hmm. that don't really work with the world mm-hmm. and then reflect on the things that do and see what you can do to act in a way where the kid takes that up
1: Takes up the good stuff. The good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. doesn't
0: take on board the dumb stuff that you have. Yeah. And I think every kid's going to pick up on little things. But mm-hmm. I think for me, kids really, really made me reflect a lot on who I was and realize that there's a lot about me that I, mm-hmm. I needed to <laughs> work through. <laughs> um, and it's 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 been hands down the best experience of my life. Oh. Um,
1: Can you share any of those, any examples of those things that you've...
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot ahead. of a lot of being able to just realize my impact on other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I always looked at the positive impact I had on other people and was like, Oh, those people are awesome, you know, because I had a positive impact on mm-hmm. them and looked at the negative impacts I had on people and was just like, Oh, it's their fault. You know, mm-hmm. like those negative impacts I had on them were because they didn't vibe with my personality whatever mm-hmm. it may have been. And, and I think there is something to be said for, you know, be who you are and if people have a problem with it, so be it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also something to be said for looking at people who are negatively impacted by you or who have a negative response to you and being like, why, mm-hmm. why do these people have a negative response? Is there something I could do differently to mm-hmm. not change who I am, but to act in a different way to where they'll take on a more positive response mm-hmm. from me. And that really helped me in my business dealings uh, mm-hmm. because I reacted a lot of the times really emotionally. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, when I knew I was dead right about something, like mm-hmm. I would be like, I can't believe you can't see this. You know, like i would just going into these realms and it took me to, to really realize that that would get not the response I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I can look at those negative scenarios and be like, here was my hand in this. Here's how I brought it to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just helped me in, in almost all my interactions to be like, when I walk away from it, I can look and be like, oh, that didn't pan out how I wanted it to." Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm perfect. It's like these days I walk around and I'll like I three or four times a week I look back on a conversation I had and I was like, "You really said that? Like,
1: <laughs> oh, why yeah. did you
0: say that?" But I think that mere fact that I can do that now oh, is because yeah. of my kids.
1: Just mm-hmm. the awareness of yeah, what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Or the care.
0: Like, mm-hmm. did you even care that I, <laughs> I can do cuz I right. didn't care before? I was like, screw well, screw you?" you like, "You don't want it. I don't right. care what you think. Like, I'm done." Like, it's
2: going to yeah. be Yeah. I be think how like how we respond because kids can get, like, go from zero to a hundred, mm-hmm. like, in a second. a second. Yeah. And it's, like, how you respond to those situations is the moments that you, like, end up reflecting on. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, the day-to-day, like, just parenting and being with your kids. Mm-hmm. And it's usually pretty, like, you know, normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And everyone's happy. And then it's when they, like, lash out or they, they yell or they do something that's out of that, like, normal mm-hmm. sort of environment. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like that's when I have to be like, okay, how am I going to respond to this? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the time, all you want to do is like either yell back or, you know, be like, you're not listening to me and then repeat yourself. It's the same like. Try to explain it and they're not going to understand, right? So I feel like how we react when those situations arise are when I learn the most. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that was good. I didn't. I didn't have to raise my voice, which meant mm-hmm. that he didn't raise his voice, you know, and, and we know our children now, so we know how they respond to mm-hmm. us as well. Right. Like Oaks, for example, like raising your voice to Oaks does not work mm-hmm. at all. He but just goes, he gets, <laughs> yeah, he'll get double the amount of angry that mm-hmm. you're going to get. And he will, and it,
0: it breaks his little heart. Like Aww. you can see it. Like he just, he like, cause he'll, he'll get this face on and then he'll just start. And then he'll look at you and he'll start like crying. And be like, no, <laughs> I don't want and I, and like that just crushes me
2: like <laughs> so he knows like, how to get you yeah. well
0: I don't think he knows like I no, think that's, yeah, that's unconscious he, that I, one
2: I, seems like like he definitely does know how to get you but I don't yeah that one's nah, that like one. not
0: that one's like that one's I don't yeah. want to show weakness so I'm yeah, gonna do yeah, this yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like you shouldn't have to feel yeah. that way oh, that's okay. my fucking fault What? Um, sorry I didn't how,
2: mean, how old are they? Oaks is four and a half <laughs> and Arrow is 15 months okay the little one doesn't give a
0: yeah I'm curious as to what he's going to be like as like, he grows up
2: you you can tell him I mean he he will not listen he literally he might as well be just pulling the fingers at you like you're like arrow put that down oh this and then he'll just like throw it on the ground <laughs> but he like will stare at you while he's doing it <laughs> he was born on Pat's birthday yeah. he's like uh, literally a mini Pat yeah like, he's funny he's just That'll exactly like Pat like him. he has yeah, the, yeah. the energy he's just
1: he very star. good with a spoon with a soup today yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> good dexterity <laughs> <laughs> well, he's
0: crazy i'll play catch with him i was playing catch with him the other day like he's one in a couple months and he, you know those little sticky balls like that you, you get like a yeah. little hand pad and mm-hmm. you get the tennis oh i ball love and you throw those on. yeah yeah he, so he'll he'll walk over to me and he'll hand me it and then he'll put his hand up and then i slide it on his hand and he walks back and he holds his <laughs> hand up like this and really i'll funny. throw it at it and he's like Psh! <laughs> and then he walks over and he holds it out he can't pull he the
2: ball off yet because it's too oh, sticky so he yeah. makes me
0: pull it off and then he walks back over with the ball that's and then good. throws it to yeah, me he it's like
2: wow
1: it's wow. amazing like, okay
0: little dude anyways I'll throw it to my Thank older you. son He'll
1: no, like, no. <laughs> not, I want none of this <laughs> he does the one to
0: close your eyes try to catch it I'm that like dude
1: keep your eyes that open that looks more like me how I would react <laughs> to that situation <laughs> oh that's really cool really cool Um, So I want to talk about Warm Up and Workout. Can you guys explain where the idea from that came from and what sort of need you're you're filling with that program?
0: Yeah. Do you want me to do it? Sure. It's all Taz. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, when I went to CrossFit New Zealand, Uh um, I was always a coach. And the way I grew up coaching was like there's a workout of the day Mm -hmm. and you as a coach fill the rest of the time. And sometimes you didn't even have a workout. You got mm-hmm. to choose your workout and find your workout. So for me, I was like, okay, uh, that's what I would do. And I was never particularly scholastically driven. I did not like to study very much. And I did not like to go research and did not like to do all my stuff. I just like to get in there and be with people. Yep. I like to coach. Hence the reason I find emotional intelligence to be an important thing. Because <laughs> that's where I feel like I thrive. So I overvalue it. Anyway, um, what I found is when I went to CrossFit New Zealand, Taz would write these things called session plans. And mm-hmm. it was basically just like the same way a teacher would have for a class. It was mm-hmm. just a lesson plan. It was like a rough outline of like, hey, for the beginning part, here's, a, here's an idea for a warm-up. Here's an idea for some skill work. Mm-hmm. Here's an idea uh, for how you should build to the workout. Here's the workout. Boom. Mm-hmm. So every day it was this unique session plan. And it kept all her coaches on the same page. Mm-hmm. And it made sure that you as a coach were developing your skills because you were forced to coach whatever was on there. So if it said, coach bar muscle-up for five minutes, you're like, I don't know how to coach bar muscle-up. Hmm, yeah. Better go figure that out. And so what I found is that it immediately made me a better coach mm-hmm. because I had to start researching what I was going to do. So I became more prepared. Mm-hmm. And I could focus on what I was good at, which was interacting with people and coaching. Mm-hmm. So I went from, I felt like a mediocre Coach to a much better coach really rapidly because I was forced into this growth, mm-hmm. and it allowed me to free my mind of like you know not not what am I going to do but how am I going to do it going
3: to it right
0: and uh, we did that for years and we every place that we went to we went, brought that to mm-hmm. CrossFit uh, NorCal CrossFit and we did that across and we could see consistency across you know 40 50 coaches mm-hmm. and
2: and the gyms too like and the gyms doing yeah the same everyone's
0: thing. doing the same thing the clients are getting the same warm ups mm-hmm. and we were like you know why don't we just make this available to the world? And Taz is uniquely spectacular at writing these and she's mm-hmm. gotten better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, I, I was sitting there one day, I was like, we should make this available to the world. You know, yeah. like this is awesome. And in addition to that, we also wanted to kind of serve the purpose of, I think a lot of people in the, the affiliate programming world are going to the strength Metcon and their you know, uh, programming biases in mm-hmm. and they're, they're kind of misunderstanding the, the goal of CrossFit, which is to get more fit. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to bring it back to just a classic GPP yep. and a uh, plenty of time for coaching, plenty of time for, uh, you know, continued growth in all areas of fitness across mm-hmm. the lifetime of an athlete, which was, should be, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. not like six months. Six months yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and true. so we wanted to fill that, that yeah. gap. And it, we started out with the idea and we built this whole website up and we, we got it going and, and, no one in my mind was in the affiliate programming game. So we, we jumped in there and, and, and the way I look at it now is like, imagine if you were good at that, good at writing session plans Mm -hmm. and good at programming, but that was your only job. Mm -hmm. How good of a job you could do. Like that's it now for us. So like affiliate owners, they'll have many other things that they do or people who write programming, they'll have other stuff that they do. Mm -hmm. If your only job, all month was to make the best session plans possible. That's mm-hmm. what we do. And then we give it to gyms and then gyms can really take it and turn it into their own product because mm-hmm. the product you have to offer is your coaching and your right. community.
1: It's that delivery of it. Yes.
0: Yeah. So how can you refine that? Mm-hmm. How can we give you the back end system and the coaching focuses and the and the the skill development and the the really well thought out session plans mm-hmm. and programming for affiliates and allow you to just be better coaches and create better communities and focus on other stuff that you're mm-hmm. awesome at, so that that's what
1: that's we do. amazing, a huge value I think. And two, I like what you said about going back to just general GPP, and because I think so many people like they don't know what to do with the rest of the hour, so that's why they put in the extra lifting <laughs> right. or this right. like two workouts or whatever right. because that's what they're doing to way. fill it. But if you oh. have an actual plan that's telling you like this is what you should do to warm up and right. X yeah. Y Z to fill your full yeah. hour class, then it becomes more doable maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah and we give everything from like breakdowns of like here's what the session should be focused on mm-hmm. here's the coaching focus mm-hmm. or like here's what the athlete should be focused on here's the coaching focus mm-hmm. like rough time breakdowns it's it's mm-hmm. and then we have you know 150 videos in a back end system that help with random movements that we filmed in there mm-hmm. and we're trying to put out as much content to help affiliates from the coaching side of things mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people out there in the business realm going mm-hmm. with the like business analytics mm-hmm. and we're trying to go as much as we focus can focus on the coaching, yeah, yeah, because that's what we know, and and that's what I think Absolutely. helps. Absolutely,
1: and that's I mean I think when people go into the gym, that's where you develop that relationship, and that becomes your experience. And so, totally, if you have, like you said, probably one of your most valuable assets at your gym is your coaches beyond yep. the community. So, yeah, that's really awesome, and um and it' cool to see that you also offer it now through Beyond the Whiteboard, which I love. I've been using it for since I started CrossFit, but so that the members of the gym can actually log their scores, and the yeah. another task that the affiliate doesn't have to worry about is entering all those workouts yep. every yes. week, which is very time consuming. Very, so
0: yeah preloads very it cool. for all of them.
1: Very cool to see. Yeah, I love that about my program that I <laughs> 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 that I can just have it there. That's honestly for me. Ever since I started, and when it, when I was training, competing or not or whatever. I loved logging in every day to be on the whiteboard and seeing these are all the tasks you have to do and just check them off the list and be able to put your score in or pull up your results to see what you did last time or look at your, like I were always writing comments about how I broke things up or how I paced things or how I want to do it differently next time. So I think that's super valuable. Yeah, I agree.
0: Once again, I think that's one of the ways we were very different.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You don't write down your score. Oh my God. I have (laughs) never. I have like 10 like log books. Yeah. Show like eight pages
0: filled out at a time, and then it's like
2: stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but you start. <laughs> I start for it's eight a pages, and then I'm
1: like, ah, screw
3: this.
0: Shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, what does your day to day life look like now? Or can you give us an example of a day in the life of Pat and Taz? Yeah. Well, now
2: that Pat doesn't have a job. No, he does. He Pat is like I like to think of it as like he's he's the face of warm up and workout. Like, mm-hmm. and he his coaching development content is so invaluable like I don't think he realizes how like how many how good his ideas and like the stuff he has to say. It's mm-hmm. just i just i want more people to hear it. so I think moving forward, like hopefully Pat's gonna focus more on that and mm-hmm. and like delivering warm up and workout and delivering his coaching development mm-hmm. stuff and then you know I'll just i'm I'm like the the back kind of just sitting on my computer yeah. getting it done, but now that we're both home, it's it's great. We have a little routine going like on you know monday's wednesday's friday's i i like to get up really early and work okay. Like that's especially with session plans if you're not feeling particularly creative like i can sit there for like 2 hours on uh-huh. one session plan and not wow. get anything done and so my time where i can actually get stuff done is between like 5:30 in the morning and like 10:30 or 11 a.m. Okay. and then you're after an that bird. i'm kind of like done yeah so i'll i'll do that i'll work in the morning and like hopefully get a workout in and then then Pat kind of sets off in the day and then I'll have the boys for the rest of the day. And we mm-hmm. kind of just go back and forth with that. And, and day, in and most afternoons, actually we kind of all come back together and, mm-hmm. and do something together as a family. So we're, I think that's the best part about Pat sort of now being home more, we can do more, not just kind of tag teaming it. Mm-hmm. We can also now do stuff as a family and yeah. not fear. And I don't think he feels that guilt of like, well, I should be doing this or mm-hmm. I should be doing that. It's sort of like, well, no, now we're, doing this with the family and right um no one feels like they need to be anywhere else that's really nice so that's that's really nice i think that's
0: yeah so it's like as she described it's either half the day i'm with the kids Mm -hmm. or half the day she's with the kids Mm -hmm. and then we're working the other half the day and then some days we come together most days we come Mm -hmm. together for big chunks of the time Mm -hmm. and then depending on our work work workload and like she said, she's the brains and, and everything. <laughs> That's not what Yachty. I said.
2: <laughs> she basically said that. <laughs> she did.
0: She did. And then I I, I basically am the front end and, and make. and.
2: That's the idea. It's like I I literally. But it's so important right Oh my have. gosh. Like, it's so important. I, I don't partake in like half of the conversations him and Whitney and Colin, our like business partners uh-huh. have with each other because it's, it's too much for my brain to handle. Like. <laughs> Pat will talk to me about it. I'll be like, that sounds good. Like I'm always like, cool, that sounds good. And then like, I think he's not getting what he needs from me. So he'll go and like talk to yeah. Colin and Whitney about it. And they'll like hash it out and like an action idea will come about. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like if my, my brain's so filled up with session. <laughs> plans,
0: Yeah. And I, I think could about never s- sit down and write session.
2: plans. It was really yeah. funny. We, we were in New Zealand for the, um, basically the whole time the open was on, but uh-huh. Pat came home early to, he just came home. He had to go and do some work and, uh, I was like, we're, I'm traveling while the open like while the announcement's on, you're gonna have to do the session plan for oh, that yeah. night. Cause, like we'd do it for that night because yeah. we were programming we for time, the next time, day. Yeah. And like it was ten o'clock at night in New Zealand. I went on it and like <laughs> 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 pa- pa had written like he like written Hey,
0: like hey
2: three <laughs> sentences. But it was like good stuff. Like it wasn't bad stuff. But it, he'd like repeated, like basically he just kept repeating like You're going to be really fatigued. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so here's
0: the deal I can analyze programming great and if you really ask me to I could do it but man it is not my strength
2: like I can <laughs> it wasn't the programming it was the pro. like he's like he, you know I might I don't just write the programming I'll send the program to no the session plan yeah yeah. yeah yeah and he like we go back and forth with the programming yeah. like he's a big help with the programming but yeah the session plan but I know how because he's like that took me like three hours and I'll be like <laughs> so
0: it, was, you know? it was so bad too like compared to what she does so like it was great compared to most standards but like compared to what she does it was crap like if you <laughs> it wasn't, so it wasn't when, crap it was just you, like you don't, you don't have, you have as much there.
1: practice it's when okay. you print
0: yeah, exactly. out, <laughs> when you print out a month of our workouts uh-huh. like one month 30 days is about 78 pages I don't think it's that long I think 60, it's like 70 60
2: pages of writing of writing mm-hmm. like
0: that's for 30 days of stuff. That's like nonstop writing yeah. where you, you as a coach, you're, you're overwhelmed looking at it because there's so yeah. much there. I so a lot it's of like, people
2: do get overwhelmed. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> one but day a, at a time, right? One day at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's amazing. Okay. So, and do you, where do you normally work out these days in the garage or multiple so places?
0: I actually have been working out a little bit this past month. I okay. took a little bit of time off, but I, I mainly, so I surf a couple days a week. I try okay. on Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings to surf if I can at sunrise Mm -hmm. Um, those are my mornings where I can go off and do stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and then Wednesday and if there's surf Wednesday Monday, Wednesday, Friday I try to surf then too (laughs) but um, (laughs) I was trying to work out as much I can this month if we do train we we do train over at Aptos CrossFit Aptos which is right down the road uh, Zach Pine's gym Um, but then I'll also occasionally head over to CrossFit Up Mm. um, and then CrossFit Seabright I just went there the other day because one of my buddies is the head coach there very cool. Um, Good to be in Santa
1: Cruz something. with so many affiliates. Yeah, to there's in. and yeah. there's yeah. A bunch yeah.
0: Of just like they're totally different communities. Mm-hmm. I think that's the fascinating thing. They are. Um, they're all completely different. Like mm-hmm. if if you look at each one, they're like they all have their own little weird quirks, and they all have their own things that they offer, and then things they don't have. And mm-hmm. you're like, <laughs> huh, like you know, one will have daycare, and then one will have a sp- sporting green in mm-hmm. the middle mm-hmm. of it, and one will be gigantic, one will be small, one will have you know, a really burnt out coach. One will have like super fresh coaches who are brand new. And it's like, it's just this weird, but it's cool. It's like, I I love all the communities and I love, I love going in and just seeing what people are, are doing. So interesting. Like we talked about the classes are so great. Mm -hmm. Like going to a class. great.
2: I love going to a class. Yeah.
0: I went to a lifting session class, so it was like I thought it was gonna be just normal class, mm-hmm. and my buddy was doing like a, an hour and a half, two-hour lifting session, Wow. and they were just building a heavy clean and jerk and heavy snatch and and then do some back squats, and nice. it was so fun to be in there, like in a place where, a, I mean not to pat myself on the shoulder, but nobody who knew who I was, mm-hmm. and and b like they were all brand new, you know, like they're all yeah. they're all in there, like you see these 250-pound dudes who's muscular, snatching 155 pounds mm-hmm. and like struggling. And, and you're like, oh, this is great. Yes. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is what I want to, like, mm-hmm. seeing this. And, like, they're so stoked on it. And they've yeah. got the, the shoes and the shirts and, like, and, yeah. and just that love of the there's yeah. the basic game rather than being like, I got to go to the games. No, 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 Right. Like, I've been so enwrapped like built Mm -hmm. up into that for so long being at NorCal Mm -hmm. and having such high level competitors and have such established community that it's really cool to step back and see these, the grassroots ones that are still there and I love them. And Mm -hmm. I think if you do them right, they're just, they're awesome.
1: Mm. Very cool. Okay. I want to wrap up with three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. So you can answer them collectively or separate, but the first is three things you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health.
0: Do you want me to go first?
2: <laughs> They're too, I, I don't think ours are the same, are they? No. That's why I said, do you want me to go first? Yeah. They're
0: definitely not the same. <laughs> Spend time with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, surf. And goodness, what would be that most positive impact, impact on my health? Spend time with the kids. Surf. And... I guess... <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, like what would be the other thing that would impact me the most positively? I was going to say drink lots of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying positive impact. Yeah, yeah. Drink lots of coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and yeah, I would say those three things are my biggest impact mm. on my health. Well, I guess that kind
2: of similar. Mine's like, yeah, definitely spending time with family, mm-hmm. um, crossfitting for me and then eating healthy. Mm hmm. Good ones. Uh, one thing that you're working on
1: or that you think would have an impact, but you struggle to do it on a regular basis? Discipline. Ugh.
2: Mobility. Discipline. <laughs> Mo- discipline and mobility. <laughs> Mine's just discipline in general. Just in general. Yeah, I'm it's just pretty disciplined, but for some reason, I, I have really tight shoulders and mm-hmm. it causes me a lot of pain when I'm working out. Mm-hmm. And I just for the life of me cannot make it a priority Hmm. i just like and i i fight with it in my head and i'm like well you're crossfitting so that's a start like Mm -hmm. i feel like that's all i have time for is just you know to get that one hour Mm and like at least four times a week Mm -hmm. and so anything beyond that is almost like i haven't been able to commit to it so yeah that would be for my health mobility for sure be a good one what does a healthy life look like to you
1: Mm.
0: I think a healthy life is. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of biased, but I think a healthy life is looking to figure out how you can positively impact everyone around you, mm. if at all possible, um, while simultaneously taking care of yourself and not depleting your own. Mm. Kind of mm-hmm. like I think gaining. Gaining, not gaining, getting, not pleasure, but getting.
2: Being happy. Happiness.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, being happy, making other people happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like getting g- g- getting right. pleasure out, of, out mm-hmm. of making the people around you better mm-hmm. in any way. And I think we're very fortunate to be in the jobs that we are. Like being a coach, that's your day in and day mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is make people better. And then being a parent your goal is to make these the best kids possible mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean like the best athletes or anything like just have an amazing life best you know people, yeah. the best people they can be mm-hmm. and impact the world and mm-hmm. being in a relationship like how can i make her day better like how mm-hmm. can i make things better for her and if, if you take pleasure in that mm-hmm. i think that is a healthy life because like i don't really mm-hmm. see much of a negative of that
2: no mm-hmm. yeah i think along with that like This might be like more too, too specific, but like being able to be in the moment Mm. whilst doing that, because I feel like that's the biggest challenge as a busy, like parent Mm -hmm. is not like while I'm with my children or even with Pat, like always thinking of what I have to do next. Right. And that's, I think that's maybe why also the travel allures me because it takes me completely out of this routine that I'm in where I'm like. Well, I, okay, yeah, Oaks, I can blow bubbles for five minutes because I have to go and cook us dinner, you know, because if I don't cook us dinner, then we're not going to eat dinner sort of thing. Like, and I feel like when we're out of just this realm, there's less of that. And I can Mm -hmm. be more in the moment with Pat, with the kids, with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So true. I just this past January went
1: on a trip to Nicaragua with my husband's family and that was the first time in a long time where I felt like I was really in the moment. Like, didn't look at my phone. I turned right. my phone off the whole week. It was like, and you don't, you don't cares? go to reach for it. Yeah, like who yeah. cares about what emails are coming in or yeah. what I have to do when I get home? And it was all just having the best time doing whatever we were doing. Right. It's so true. It's traveling is a great way to do that.
2: Yeah, Must and it. it's not that I want to like forget about. I like being in routine I love my life and I love the everyday things Mm -hmm. that we do but I when I am in the moment I know I'm in the moment because I'm not like a couple hours will pass and Mm -hmm. like you say like I didn't grab for the phone or I didn't like feel the need to put a load of washing on Mm -hmm. or something ridiculous Mm -hmm. like that but I think you've Pat's very good at living in the moment
0: yeah but I think that's a product of the differences in our mentalities like we were talking about earlier you guys are yeah. very list oriented and goal right. oriented and set like that mm-hmm. and the exact opposite right those things
2: must be nice bog me down. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's nice but it, it also
0: makes it so i have a lot i have, i yeah. don't have discipline i don't have like there's a lot of stuff i don't have because of that so right. find people in your life who can make exactly. you live in the moment Compliment. or keep you yeah, out. Yes. yeah yeah <laughs> like, oh gee true. that's
1: Good. We're (laughs) a good pair. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been really fun. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Cool. Very cool. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Pat and Taz are such a fun couple and genuine people. I learned a ton from our conversation. I especially love the lessons they shared that they've learned from their kids and how having kids has made them better coaches. Do you have kids or maybe you have a pet that you take care of? What are some of the lessons you've learned from taking care of someone or something who depends on you? How do you apply these lessons elsewhere in your life? Let me know in the comments below this post on my website, juliefouché.com. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. If you tuned into my last episode, you know that I've been on a search for the perfect coffee creamer, and I got my order from Thrive Market and have been enjoying trying out several different options over the past couple of weeks. Have you heard of Thrive Market yet? They sell top organic and healthy products online at 25 to 50% off, shipped straight to your door. As a sponsor of this episode of the podcast, they're providing an amazing offer to all my Pursuing Health listeners. So you can go to www.thrivemarket.com forward slash ph, and there you'll receive an additional 25% off your first purchase, plus free shipping and a free 30 day trial. So, my husband and I have been using Thrive Market for years. It's helped us to maximize our efficiency with grocery shopping and meal prep in the midst of our very, very busy schedules. From competing and training in the CrossFit Games years ago to now balancing our busy schedules with residency. Using Thrive Market, we can shop for all of our staple grocery items and ingredients from a curated list of products that we know and we can trust. Whether you're looking for paleo, vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, or organic products, you can find them on the Thrive Market platform. at prices 25 to 50% below retail, as I mentioned. Even better, these items are shipped straight to your doorstep, so you don't have to worry about the time or hassle of grocery shopping, which I love. I also love that Thrive Market demonstrates a huge commitment to giving back. So for everyone who signs up for a Thrive Market membership, another membership is donated to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. Thrive Market's mission is to make healthy living easy and approachable to everyone, and this aligns perfectly with my own personal mission and that of pursuing health. Because it has been such a lifesaver in my own life, I wanted to share the benefits of Thrive Market with all of you, and they've responded with an amazing offer. So again, head to www.thrivemarket.com forward slash PH to take advantage of 25% off your first purchase, plus free shipping and a free 30-day trial. Again, this is on top of their already 25 to 50% below retail prices. So I hope you can take advantage of this amazing offer and enjoy their service as much as I have. Once again, head to thrivemarket.com forward slash PH to save on some of your favorite items for healthy living and help make a healthy lifestyle easy, affordable, and accessible for all. This episode is brought to you by Wad. Do you struggle to get into good positions in your training and workouts? Are your movement compensations causing you undue pain and grief? MWOD's belief is that every human being should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. For nearly 10 years, Mobility Wad has been the go-to for the world's best athletes and teams. Do you know what hundreds of Olympic and world-class athletes, professional teams in the NFL, MLB, basketball, hockey, rugby, and soccer, and dozens of universities all have in common? They use MobilityWa to train and compete at their best. I first took Dr. Kelly Surratt's Movement and Mobility course in 2013, and since then have read his books and followed his videos for ideas on how to address my own movement restrictions. But sometimes having all this information can become overwhelming, which is why I think the real genius is in the MWOD subscription. As part of this subscription, you have access to not only hundreds of hours of video content that can be filtered based on your specific questions, but also a daily 10-minute mobility WAD video. You just log in and follow Kelly's instructions as if he is there coaching you in person for 10 minutes per day. You may pick up certain exercises that you wish to incorporate on a regular basis before or after your workouts. But at the very least, by following this daily program you know you are addressing a wide range of movement patterns and body parts on a regular basis without having to think about it. I often do these sessions first thing in the morning or before bed as a way to wind down from the day. In addition, you have access to an on-ramp sequence and a 14-day mobility challenge that helps you understand the basics and identify the areas you personally need to focus on. You can lean on the MWOD community and discussion boards to learn from others who have been through similar situations or injuries. And if you need more personalized help, you can use the MWOD list to find a like-minded practitioner in your area. It's easy to become part of the Mobility WAD community, but for being a Pursuing Health listener, you can receive 20% off an annual membership with code Julie Foucher. That's J-U-L-I-E-F-O-U-C-H-E-R. Just visit www.mobilitywad.com. Full potential, full power.